we, Bassan quoted Jesus when Jesus said, the harvest is plenteous, the laborers or the workers are few, and I want to talk a little bit about the Lord and the laborer. We're the laborers. We're the workers. If we, because, you know, basically what Jesus said is the harvest is ready. We don't have to try to change the harvest. And he said, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he may send laborers into the harvest field. But we need laborers that know what they're doing. We need laborers that know who they are. We need, if, like, if I'm, if I'm a worker and I'm going to go out in the harvest field, I don't know who I am in Christ. I'm not going to know how to bring, produce fruit. I don't know how to produce after myself. I don't know how to bring Christ and give birth to Christ when I lead people to Jesus. So I, I feel like I want to just speak into seeing ourselves through Jesus's, um, seeing ourselves through Jesus's eyes. And I'll start with, um, if you've got your Bibles, to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And you know, we, it, we've been learning a little bit about warfare and to me, the more I, I see what the Bible says about warfare, we don't give the devil much attention. And um, I don't think Jesus really referred to the devil much. He did every now and then, here and there. But he just watched what the Father was doing and listening to what the Father was saying. And he did everything he saw his Father do. And because of that, see, if the devil got in the way, he'd cast the devil out. But he's, he's not, uh, some, some Christians are always blaming the devil for something. You know, oh, I feel, something happens. Oh, I'm under attack. You know, the devil's attacking me and all this sort of stuff. And, you know, we, we over-spiritualize everything. And, and I think God just wants us to become more like Jesus. I want to focus, like, real warfare is becoming like Jesus. If you become like Jesus, you're doing spiritual warfare. Really, that's what I want to speak about. And so 2 Corinthians chapter 10, um, I want to read it. I've read it in the King James Version for a while, but I don't read King James usually. But I'll read it in the NIV first, for verse 3. It says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. So we're talking about warfare. We, we all walk in the flesh, but we don't war according to the flesh. Right? We don't do warfare according to the flesh. So then well, how do we do warfare? For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful. Everybody say divinely powerful. So we're going to talk about divine power. This is God's power. It's not my power. It's not your power. Divine power. Right? We're talking about warfare and the weapons we actually use. So you've got weapons. I've got weapons. The weapons we use is divine power. This is God's power, mighty power, right? In the King James, King James says, but mighty through God. And it says divine power to the pulling down of strongholds. The weapons we use are mighty to pulling down strongholds. When you look up the word strongholds, it actually means um, strongholds. <laughs> and in a stronghold in, in the days of castles and warfare in those days, you'd have to have walls to protect you from the enemy. We don't have these sort of war, you know, protection anymore and fortresses anymore because you've got airplanes and nuclear bombs and, and all this crazy, crazy weaponry that would never protect you in a castle. But in those days, with just arrows and swords and all those things, you would protect yourself with walls. And if you're in the castle, you're protected from the warfare. And I would look, uh, uh, the way I see this is the walls speak of, let's say if, it, if, if it's truth, it's revelation knowledge, truth, truth. Let's say a brick, or, you know, a stone that's built upon a stone. If it's truth and I'm in here, this is, this is the presence of God. 
And the enemy can't touch me because I'm in this stronghold. But the problem is it also works with the enemy. The enemy uses this for him if you believe a lie. If I believe a lie and I've got another lie and another lie and lie, and I've got lies that I've built my life around, then I'm in this stronghold of lies. And the, if I'm in here, this is the activity of the, the enemy. The enemy's got access to attack me because I believe lies. So the reality is the devil has no power over you except when you believe a lie. The devil has no authority over me unless I believe a lie. To the degree that I believe a lie, then I'm actually falling in the trap of the enemy because he's making me believe a lie. That's why the word of God is so important. And we we read in Ephesians 6 that the weapon, the only weapon it refers to is and take the sword of the Spirit. And it actually says the, the sword to me, it's like another way of saying, and take the weapon of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. But how do you exercise that Word of God? How, how does that weaponry work? Th- that word is Rima Word of God. Take the Rima Word of God. So when God speaks to me, it's Rima to me. True? But it's not powerful until I speak it. Until I speak it, when I speak what God has spoken, now I'm, I'm exercising the sword of the Spirit in the realm of the Spirit. That's why it's important we know the Word. Because if I believe a lie, to the degree that I believe the lie, the devil has access, access against me. What did Jesus say? You know, you be my disciples. If you, you know, if you abide in my Word, then you will be my disciples. And because you're my disciples, because you're living in my Word, then you will know the truth. And the truth you know sets you free. The truth someone else knows won't set you free. The truth I know won't set you free. When you know the truth, to the degree that you know truth, sets you free. See, if I believe nobody loves me, nobody loves me. I'm so, no one cares about me. No one values me. I just feel rejected. And if I believe the lies that I'm rejected, not valuable, I'm not special in God's eyes, or people don't value me, if I believe that lie, I'm going to feel that, aren't I? One of the first keys to overcome negativity, anxiety, worry, stress, depression, and all these things, which is a pandemic, by the way, out there. It's a pandemic of depression, a pandemic of anxiety and worry and stress. Think of one of the scriptures that Paul quotes. He says, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Righteousness, peace, peace. Is, the, is, is what you have when you don't have anxiety and worry and stress. Joy is what you have when you don't have, dep- when you don't have depression. So the kingdom is saying, you know why, now you know why the devil's attacking depression, anxiety, and worry, because I don't have the Lord. They don't have the kingdom. So, you got, so I, I want to get to this thing. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, to the pulling down of stronghold, strongholds. We are destroying that word speculation is not a strong word. When you look up what, what, what it actually means, uh, casting down literally means to tear down, put down. And it means, the word imaginations means reasoning or thoughts. So how do we do warfare? It's all about how do we do warfare? Because we said the weapons of our warfare are not kind of, but mighty through God, pulling down of strongholds. How do we do warfare? Casting down thoughts. And what type of thoughts? Not, obviously not God's thoughts. But every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Any thought that comes into my mind or your mind that's coming against the knowledge of God, I should have the, no, not just I have the authority, I should believe I can cast it down. This is one of the problems that most Christians face if you don't believe you can. 
If you don't believe you can, guess what? You won't be able to. Because you've believed a lie, you can't do it. Remember what I said? The devil has no power over you unless you believe a lie. And if you believe a lie, I can't do that. I've tried that. I can't cast my negative thoughts out. Now, it might, might take you some time to, 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 to tear down the bad thoughts and all the lies that has created a stronghold. It's created a, a mindset of belief. It might take you some time to get rid of these lies, but you, re, you build it up with truth. And so the more I see, I've had many, many encounters with God, the more I see how much He loves me, like I'm talking about where he, I just break down in His presence and I weep like a baby, not because I'm feeling sorry for myself, but His, work, his love is so overwhelming. God, you're so good. You're amazing. And I feel His presence. What's happening? I'm feeling, I believe God is touching, healing. I'm, I'm sure He's doing things that making me feel I'm so loved by Him. I'm so valuable in His presence. I'm unworthy without Christ, but yet I was worthy enough for Jesus to die on the cross for me. Does that make sense? I know I'm not worthy in myself for his glory or for his presence. I'm not, but I was worthy enough, valuable enough in his eyes to have died on that cross just for me. And, that, and that's including you. You've got to see that. You've got to believe that. You got to, if there was no one else left on the planet to have died for, Jesus would have died just for me. All of a sudden, if I have rejection or I've been hurt as a kid and I was rejected, neglected and hurt and even spoken bad words over and you're hopeless, you're no good, you're stupid, you'll mount to nothing. If you had those words spoken over you over and over and over, when you come into God's presence and you believe what he says about you, it changes you. This is warfare because you change from the inside. And so... I believe with all my heart we can cast down every thought, but I have to discern a thought. I have to be able to discern that thought's not from God before I can, I can get it out of my head. And sometimes thoughts come to us, we don't even know it's not, actually not from God. So, but the more you get the word in you, see the word of God actually is the lamp unto my feet. It's a light to my pathway. So the word will bring light into my heart and my mind and it enlightens and it, it ex exposes the darkness. It shows me I shouldn't be thinking those thoughts. That's a bad negative thought. Have you, ever, you know, have you ever gone one thought to another? Our thoughts are like strings sometimes. Thoughts, strings, 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 strings. And you come all the way down to this negative place and you go, what am I doing thinking about this? So this is really, really negative. Like it, and it might 99% of the chance it will never happen, but you've gone there in your mind. Because you've got to catch yourself before you get to that really negative place. But you've got to discern it through the Word of God. When the Word of God comes in you and lives in you, it sheds light on these things. Are you with me? So this is how we do warfare, by casting down imaginations or reasonings or thoughts and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Any thoughts that come against the knowledge of God. And look at this promise or this word, because God can't tell us to do something we can't, we're not able to do. It says, and bring it into captivity, every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Bring it into captivity, every thought to make it obedience to Christ. This is the pathway and the journey to become more like Jesus. Because I, I, I believe that I actually can become more like Jesus. The moment I as a believer don't believe I can, I've already put a ceiling on myself. You know, you know I'm sure all these truths you believe. Like the Bible says we're made in God's image. We're made in God's likeness. You believe that, don't you? That Adam was formed from the dust, but God came down and stooped down, and the Bible says he breathed into Adam the breath of life. Where did Adam's breath come from? 
Breath means spirit. The breath of God went into Adam and then he became a living being. So his, Adam's spirit and your spirit is made in the image and likeness of God before the fall. Yes, the fall came and they were separated and they've, I believe they inherited sinful nature. They were separated from God and they died. They spiritually died. We were created to live in faith, but fear came in Adam and Eve, didn't it? Fear, guilt, shame. Oh, I'm naked. Oh, you're naked. And they started hiding. Ever since then, they, they hid from God. And ever since, mankind's running away from God. And yet God, Jesus, completely restored us back to the Father. Completely. I mean, we're talking about the perfect sacrifice of the Son of the living God. We're talking about God's plan, God's purpose, God's redemption. God came up with the thought, the idea of redemption. I didn't even know I needed salvation. I didn't even know I needed redemption. God did it. True? And when God does something, He does it completely perfect. That means when he, when he sent his son to die on the cross for all of humanity and you put your faith in Christ, you get completely forgiven and you get the gift of right standing with God. This is amazing. This is a part of, again, warfare. I've got to believe I can cast down every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Every thought means every thought. I've spoken to some people, but I can't. I remember talking to one lady that was so being abused by a person, a boyfriend, Physically abused, getting hit, getting bashed. You need to leave this guy. This guy is not good for you. But you know, she she probably she actually would say things. Oh, but who else is going to love me if I left him? Who's going to want me? I'll be alone. All this and she'd fear. I can't. I can't. And she kept saying, I can't. I can't. I said, You can. And I remember saying this about thirty years ago. I said, The reason why you can't is because you say you can't. Eventually, she left him. Thank God, and married a, a great man of God. But what's stopping her is her belief that she couldn't. She was believing the lie the devil was telling her that she couldn't. Remember, we're not talking about in our own strength. We're talking about God's strength. We're talking about God's spirit living inside of us now that we're Christians. True? So we're not saying, I can in my strength, my ability, my confidence. Not at all. It's the fact that now the Holy Spirit, my spirit was dead, but it's resurrected. And now Christ lives in us. Amen? So he gives you the strength to do something you couldn't do before. So the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're mighty through God. are pulling down the strongholds, bringing into captivity every thought. So this is warfare. So if I can learn to bring into captivity every thought, I'm actually doing warfare. And this warfare is mighty through God. It's powerful. Paul's saying this is how we do it. It's this inner, inner image of me becoming more like Jesus is warfare. I remember one time, just recently, um, this is where this sort of birthed, birthed in my spirit I was you know, in, you know, in the COVID I was, you know, when you're all in restrictions we'd get, I'd put my headphones on and go for a walk so in the Sydney we're allowed to go for walks you know, 5k walk we can't go 5k's away from Blacktown though where I live because of all these restrictions right? pretty strict but I, I like walking and put my worship you know, thing on and, and I remember just recently I was worshipping and I've had many of these encounters and I'm just experiencing God's presence and I'm imagining God's throne Imagine God. I, I, I see God the Father sitting on his throne, and I, I see that the glory and the image and the holiness of our Father, his face shines brighter than a thousand suns. I believe that. So I'm imagining in my spirit, me standing before him, and, and I look at the sun, some of the sun's beating on me, and I think, God, when Jesus comes back, you're gonna, you're gonna shine, Jesus is going to shine brighter than that sun. That sun will turn dark when Jesus comes back, the Bible says, in the last days. Because of the glory of Jesus' face is so bright that the sun won't even shine. Really, that's what it's saying. 
And, I, and so I, I'm experiencing God's presence. I'm starting to weep and I'm feeling His presence. I'm starting to think, oh God, I want to experience you right now on the, on the earth, in my body, as if I was in the heaven, as if I was in the throne. And, and I started ca- catching myself's heart's cry. I was thinking about this and I thought, I remember my mindset, remember the thoughts? My mindset thought, nah, it's not possible. Nah, because you're on your flesh. And nah, because there's demonic powers around. Nah, because there's fallen angels, you know, they're around, they're affecting my... And I thought, hang on a sec, is that... Can that go through the cross properly? Can that get through, filtered through the gospel message, the mystery that's hidden in Christ? The mystery is that Christ, the anointed one, is in us. The hope of glory. And I thought about that really, if, if I believe I can't, and if I believe, oh, when I get to heaven, it's going to, and there is, I, I know there's an element when I get to heaven, yes, there is no demons, yes, it's going to be magnificent, and I'm not in this flesh, but I believe my spirit can experience and encounter God's presence while he on earth. I just believe that. To the degree of my faith will determine to the degree of my encounter with the Lord himself. And this, this should stir faith, should stir hunger, should stir... Well, and I, thought, I started thinking about the cross and the blood, and, and I thought, well, of course the blood of Jesus was perfect enough to give me free access before the Father. This is Scripture. We have access to the Father. And I, and I, and I, and I know that God, you know, He presents us holy. Either He does or He doesn't. The Bible says He presents us holy, without blame, unreproachable, in His sight, in His presence. So I thought, okay, God, I can. And if I believe the demons are going to hinder it, then, then, I, then God showed me Romans 8. You know, the whole, not, that neither death, nor life, no principalities, nor powers, nor things to come, no angels, not, nothing, in, nothing present in this life or in the life to come can separate you from the love of Christ. Because I'm saying, God, give me, give me biblical scriptures. Is it true that we can just experience your glory to the degree that as if we were in heaven? I believe the blood of Jesus did it. I believe it's complete. I believe it's perfect. But if I believe this hindrances, I believe, like even, even I, 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 I believe that the blood of Jesus has done the work so much that there's nothing in the way between me and my father. So imagine that. Think that thought for a second. There's nothing in the way between you and the father. Nothing. Oh, but Leo, I sinned yesterday. Not even the sin, yesterday. Because you can confess it to the Father and He's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So, so if we think, oh, but my sin's holding me back. But my sin, I'm ashamed, my guilt, my condemnation. If you believe that, guess what? This, this is warfare. If you believe that, then you're not casting down every thought. That's a high thought. Oh, that would fall under the high thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. When you believe, yeah, but I sinned yesterday. Well, Repent. This is the beautiful glory and honor of the, of the fact that Jesus died on the cross and his blood was sacrificed, that I could confess my sins to God and turn from my sin. And when I turn, repent, to, re, to, to change my thinking about it. And I actually say, I'm not right, you're right. I, if I disobeyed God, I said, Lord, I, tr- I, rest, I trusted in myself instead of trusting in you. And I, and I turn from that because you're right, I'm wrong. I humble myself. I repent. The word pent. We get the word penthouse. Great view up there when you're in a big tower of a penthouse. You can pent, repent with perspective to see it through God's eyes. (sighs) Nothing is in the way between you and the Father when you know Jesus. 
Christ in. And you think of scriptures like Jesus saying, don't look for the kingdom of God. It's not going to get low. low. There it is. And oh, there it is. Here it comes. For the kingdom of God is within you. God's kingdom is inside of you. God's power and God's presence, God's dynamous power through the power of the Holy Spirit is already inside you. That's why we don't have to feel an anointing when you pray for someone that's sick. Oh, but I don't feel like it. It's Monday, Monday morning. I got up in the morning and I felt, oh, I felt God's presence yesterday, but I don't feel anything now. But who are you trusting? Your feelings or God's promise and God's word? Because he's in you. Whether you feel him or not, the power is resident there. And when you pray out of faith, God always comes. That's how you pray for people in the streets. That's how, you know, when there's no band playing. You know, just tinkling the keyboards and the saxophone. Man, I love that. It's amazing. And the anointing and the presence, I feel amazing. Oh! But now I'm in the streets at work when no one makes me feel like that. But God. Amen. Jesus said in Matthew 16, just quickly, try to wrap this up. Matthew 16. God's preparing us because we're the laborers to bring in the harvest. Matthew 16, verse 15, Jesus said, he said to them, and Jesus really, you know, he really wanted to know, that's why he asked these questions. He says, oh, let's pick it up in verse 13. And now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist and others Elijah but still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. I mean, in other, trans- other um, I think Matthew or Mark or, sorry, or Luke says that someone raised from the dead. They believed in reincarnation. I mean, for them to say Elijah and Jeremiah, they're basically saying they come, he's come back from the dead. And that's who Jesus is. I mean, it's crazy thinking, incarnation and all that stuff. Just crazy and wrong. But Simon Peter answered um, when Jesus says, but who do you say I am? Jesus wanted to know, okay, that's what they're saying. It's all wrong. But who do you say I am? You're my disciples. Who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. The Christos, the son. Because he understood who Jesus was and viewed Jesus correctly, it says, blessed are you, Jesus said, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven, basically my Father himself who is a spirit, revealed this to your spirit, revelation knowledge. I also say to you that you are Peter, you are a little, little rock, and upon this rock, this big rock, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. In other words, when you got the revelation of who Jesus is, and I like to put it in the New Testament right now in new creation realities. We're living in the New Testament. I think the question is this now. You know, Jesus says, but who do you say I am? I believe Jesus is asking, who do you think you are? Who do you say you are? Because this is warfare. How I view myself. Who do you say you are? Do you, is your first instinct, I'm a son of God. Is your first instinct, I'm a daughter of a king. I see myself as a daughter, I'm royalty. I see myself with Christ in me, the hope of glory. Who do you say you are? Because what Christ did, he didn't do it only for himself. He He didn't have to do it for himself. He did it for you. So that you could see yourself through God's eyes the way Christ is. 
Remember, he's, he's the head, we're the body. Wherever the head is, the body has to be. There's not a, you know what I'm saying? Like Christ, where is Christ, by the way? At the right hand of the Father. You know, in, in his glorified state, in his glorified body. By his spirit, he is living inside of us, but he's seated at the right hand of the Father. But Ephesians, the revelation of chapter 1 and chapter 2, is basically saying, this is the great, um, what's the word that Paul used? He goes, what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe? What is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe? What is it? And he actually explains to you, this is, this is the power when God raised Jesus from the dead. But it didn't stop there. Because it goes on to say, chapter 2 was not there put, it wasn't put, by, wasn't put there by Paul. Chapter 2 was not there put by Paul. We put it there. And it goes on to say, the argument, the thought, the, the, the idea of this exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe, it goes on to say, and you were dead in your sins, but he made you alive with Christ. And he raised you up. He raised me up. And he seated us into heavenly places with Christ Jesus. He seated us. with So you're seated in heaven. Who, who, who do you say you are? What position do you have? When you pray for the harvest, how are you praying? Oh, Lord, please, God, send the harvest. Please, Lord. Or you're praying with authority, with decreeing, like a king decrees. The Bible says we're royalty. We're royal priests. And we're talking about all priests. Not other, but the pastor can do that. The evangelist can do that. All us priests I'm talking about us as priests unto God. We've got this authority and we need to see ourselves this way if we're going to go out and take in the harvest and pray for the sick in the streets, pray for the sick at work, pray for the sick at schools, universities. Amen. Jesus is saying, who do you say you are? As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And, I, and we, we, we've done a, f- a series in Ephesians recently, and we sort of ended, obviously, we have to end with Ephesians 6, because that's the end. And, 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 but when you read the whole context of the whole amazing letter, chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, is all that we are in Christ. If you know all that you are in Christ, look, I just explained, we're seated at the right hand of the Father, then walk worthy of the high calling. And then it talks about the unity of the, the body, one Lord, one God, one faith, one baptism. And then it talks about... Jesus gave us the fivefold ministry, the gifts. So he broke himself up and he said, I give the apostles, I give prophets, the pastors, evangelists, teachers to equip the saints. In other words, if you're not exposed to all five, you won't grow up, you won't get equipped, we won't become mature. And we won't come into the unity of the faith. And when you go all into there, and then it talks about holiness, you know, put away sin, put away this, put away anger, put away bitterness, forgiveness. It talks about put away sexual, uh, immor- sexual immorality, put away all these things. And it talks about the renewing of the mind. And it goes all the way about how uh, uh, it talks about family, husbands, love your wives, wives, submit to your husbands. It talks about children, obey your parents, you know, and, and honor them. And it talks about parents, do this, do this, and the employees. And, and it goes into every facet. So it's basically saying if you're not living it out, this is who we are in Christ, now live it out. Walk it out. Then you, you, then you can do warfare. You try to do warfare and you're just rebellious and rebellious to the government, rebellious to your husband and, and, the, and the husband's just fighting with a wife and, and the employer doesn't want to submit and the employer just works for money and doesn't work unto the Lord and you've got all these rebellious attitudes and then we're trying to do warfare. Well, you're not going to shake the heavens that way. You're not going to, you're going to, you know what I'm saying? 
Paul's saying, then Paul goes, therefore, finally, put on the whole armor of God. Guess what the armor of God is? It's Christ. It's actually Christ. He says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. No, no, it doesn't say that. It says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but we do wrestle. Who do we wrestle against? Principalities and powers and might and dominion. Therefore, the thing is, it didn't give us a strategy on how to fight. It didn't give us a methodology on how to fight, except put on the armor, which is Christ. Does that make sense? It didn't say, so if you come up and a demon manifests, pray these words, say these words, and cast out devil this way, because that's like trying to hit the fruit. It's saying, you want to do warfare in the fruit, then do warfare in the root. Warfare is becoming like Jesus. Put on righteousness. I've seen people that knew all their legal righteousness and all they are in Christ. I know my, one of my close friends who was a pastor, crazy, and this brings the fear of the Lord. He knew it all, his righteousness, but he didn't practice righteousness. He slept with women in his church. He lost everything. See, the devil's going to have access to you. Does that make sense? The devil's going to have access. If you don't walk in righteousness, you can know all your righteousness and not walk in it. You've opened up yourself to spiritual warfare. The devil uh, took him out, lost his congregation, lost everything. He actually kept his marriage, but six months later died in his sleep. What was that? I thought, I thought to myself, you know your righteousness, but he didn't live it out. And so when you live out righteous, you put on the righteous, you put on helmet of salvation, you put on the, this, it's this Christ. That's warfare. I don't have to fight like, I'm going to fight this way. Just, just put on Christ. Just be like Jesus. And you're doing warfare automatically. 